they were losing parts of history, they're losing parts of quality and things that last, that connection to themselves and to what they're working on, whether that's metal or wood or, or any of those things, and that there's really value in having a career that produces those things. Let's talk quality, family business, and American-made tools. Bits and Bits offers all three and more. They make all types of bits, CNC bits, router bits, engraving cutters, even custom bits if you need. The list goes on. Everything you want for your shop, you can get at bitsbits.com. It's their name, but it's also what they do. They are first and foremost a manufacturer. They actually make their own products in their own Pacific Northwest American factory. And for over 30 years, they've been a family business. So if you want to talk about a company that stands behind their product, you're talking about Bits and Bits. They are also a full Festool and Whiteside distributor. But what really stands them apart in my mind, besides manufacturing their own product, is their exclusive Astra coating. They put it on everything they make and it extends the life of a bit no matter if you're using it in wood, metal, or plastic. Want to know more? Just check out BitsBits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S dot com. Check them out for all your bits needs. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Ashley Piper, owner of the furniture company Shallow Creek Woodcraft. In an industry that is leaning further and further into technology, Ashley is building her furniture skills in a more traditional way, learning hand tool skills over machine inputs, gathering knowledge more from books than social media videos, and spending careful considered time on her furniture rather than the needed yesterday culture that many of today's production falls into. So follow along as we talk about going to furniture school later in life, what you can learn from books, different perspectives in the trades, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Ashley's story in her own words. I've always been interested in art and craft and I think working with my hands in general. Um, my dad was a mechanic and my mom was a metal artist. So I feel like I was like adjacent to that lifestyle. I don't feel like they encouraged me to find that. Um, I think at that time for them, it was looked down upon to be a tradesperson. So I think the encouragement and push was more to follow something academic. I wish after school I had started something in the trades, either welding or furniture, but um, it didn't kind of work out that way. I started uh, with school and ended up not finishing formal school. It's just, it was hard for me and my mom ended up ill. And so during that time, I kind of had a pause and reflection on where I want to go, what I want to do, but it was more survival at that time as far as just being present for my mom while she was sick until she passed and figuring out what I wanted to do next since like formal college just didn't work well for me. So from, from there, I actually ended up in the automotive industry and I was a auctioneer and then also worked at dealerships service side for them. And after that, I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. <laughs> so that, that took up the, the last big chunk of years. But during that time, um, I found furniture. So I really love books and I really love reading and any excuse to be curious and figure things out. So I think that's how I ended up really falling in love with craft deeply. I loved 
looking into the furniture pieces that I was finding that I was trying to refinish properly. <laughs> and um, I wanted to know why drawers were constructed the way they were, why the inner parts were structured that way and how they came to make them look the way they did. So for design features and construction and how that married. And I really just started reading since taking care of children doesn't allot a lot of time um, to other things. So reading gave me a chance to focus on that for myself at minutes at a time or later in the evening and it was quiet. So it was a mental checkout as well. And then as my children got bigger, I could take on more projects and explore a little bit more. And as my youngest started school, I really started taking it more seriously and pushing and tried to start building on my own and figuring it out from there. And I just loved it so much and I couldn't think of doing anything else all day than than building furniture. What kind of books were you reading? Because the path for a lot of furniture makers of this generation, for those people, self-taught means watching videos, learning off of social media, that kind of path, YouTube, that that direction of learning and obviously that's worked for many people there's a lot of people out there who (laughs) learned based off of watching social media videos but reading especially if you're looking to learn a more traditional technique like the ones that you use in your work older books books that were teaching furniture before maybe youtube was around can be very helpful so What type of books were you reading when you were starting out that helped you envision yourself as a furniture maker before you were even building? When I started, I just kind of grabbed whatever I thought might have some information to get me started. And a lot of the books were very comprehensive for like targeted towards beginning woodworkers. And it was almost an overload of information. Like, I don't even know about half of these things. And I don't even know how useful they really are to consume. And so I just started trying to look for things that answered questions as I was building. And it evolved from from there. So I started realizing that if I looked for books that were specific, like this book is on joinery, this book is on design, this book is from whatever period of furniture has details that stand out to me design-wise. And um, I just started targeting those and I ended up finding more books that had design and had those joinery features or things more comprehensively but concise compared to the beginning woodworking books. And I love the books from Lost Art Press because I feel like a lot of them do that. This book is about geometry in furniture or this book features chairs specifically or this artist or why this woodworker was successful in business and furniture making. So it's hard for me to narrow down like a very specific book because I feel like I go back to so many, like I ended up needing a whole bookcase to go and I go back and forth into them. Um, But I'm currently reading The Intelligent Hand by David Savage. And I think that one now hits the mark for me. But originally, there's there's a couple that ended up being a better comprehensive for starting out. So the first book I would recommend is Understanding Wood by Bruce Hoadley. And I think it just gives a really strong technical foundation for wood as a medium and understanding what you're working with. And I think that that helps a lot with designing your pieces and just knowing your material. The next one... I would say is probably a good comprehensive book, but one that gives you a lot of details that really helpful to be cohesive to start with 
Um, that one's the complete manual of woodworking, and that is by three authors, Albert Jackson, David Day, and Simon Jennings. So the next one that I would recommend is Understanding Wood Finishing by Bob Flexner. I think that's um, an area a lot of woodworkers struggle with, and I did too, just options of what you can use at different levels of your business. And I think the same thing, understanding the foundation, the basics of it um, is really helpful in how you want to build your pieces and how you want to finish them, since that's the end result that people connect with, right? They want it to feel nice. They want it to have a certain kind of luster. And I think understanding how to apply it properly is, is to your benefit. Then the next one, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily technique focused, but I think mindset focused is Handmade by Gary Rogowski. I think it's honest in the mentality of a craftsperson and needing to do the job every day. Um, there's also a chapter on shop safety that I think um, is important to really be in the right headspace for. Like we all know that we work with either hand tools that are super sharp or machinery. And being cognizant of that is part of what we do, but I think really understanding that it's, it's a disposition you have to have day to day and not just the fear is really important. So I think that's a good takeaway from that book and just knowing what it's like to be in that headspace if this is something that you really wanna pursue as your day to day commitment and passion in life. Talking about headspace, I wanna get a little bit into yours. You talked about how you got into furniture because you were taking apart other people's furniture and refinishing and looking into it that way, the refurbishing level of furniture. But you were also getting into it because you didn't really find anything out there that appealed to you design-wise and also price-wise in the furniture that you were looking at. So you thought you could make your own. And that's the story of a lot of furniture makers where they see something in furniture or maybe they see a space lacking in furniture that's out there and decide that they want to do it for themselves. But there's a, a big difference between thinking about building furniture and actually doing it and thinking there's furniture that doesn't meet my design criteria or my price criteria. I should do it myself. People, people don't think that they're going to go buy a car and then not find something that they like and decide to just build their own car. <laughs> you have to really have a passion for that or really have a push to do that. So what was your mindset that really made you think that you could take that leap from not knowing how to build furniture and then going out there and actually building it, building your own furniture and then starting a furniture company with those types of builds? Um, I guess I never had that stop block in my mind that I couldn't figure it out. I think maybe some of it comes from a place of necessity um, or just my background of how I was raised, having parents that figured things out, um, that sometimes you don't have the option to do that. And you can't really put that roadblock on yourself that if you don't try, you're not going to know. And that's the first place to be. So I think knowing that I was finding something with more character opportunity and in the price point that I could manage gave me some, some room to try that creativity and to try to see if I could figure it out. I guess I'm just a person who likes a challenge. So I saw that something was broken 
And I go, somebody else figured this out at some point in time. Somebody knew that this went together this way. I think I can figure that out. It's possible. I think just the mindset of possibility. Yeah, that if you don't try, you really, you've already answered the question for yourself. And I just, I don't like somebody else being in control of that for me. (laughs) When you decided to go more the hand tool route with your work, you didn't have a lot of time when you were starting out, you didn't have a lot of time to devote to building furniture. And a lot of people in that situation would bring technology into their process and that type of woodworking, because that type of woodworking affords people more downtime because there's, there's someone else doing it. There's that machine doing the work, but you decided to go the more labor intensive and, and the more time intensive way of woodworking what drew you to that traditional setup in the futuristic woodworking society that we live in today i think accessibility i feel like it's easier to purchase an old hand plane or an old chisel than it is to jump straight into machinery Um, i think the learning curve seemed less intimidating to me also like okay i need to learn this whole machine like how mechanical really am i it just felt like it gave me the opportunity to to work with wood before machinery i also kind of feel like once i started with it it felt it felt natural to me it felt comfortable and intuitive and i liked that connection to it and i think also it not being a business to write right out of the gate i didn't think of it that way i didn't think of speed being a necessity in the very beginning as I don't think of time the same way as I did when I started to now. Let's talk about your business. And the way it becomes a business is making pieces of furniture for other people because it's not really a business if you're just building things for yourself. When you decided that this was something you wanted to do, that you saw a path forward for yourself in the furniture industry, that you could make things for other people, and in return, they would they would give you money for it, which I guess is a furniture business in a nutshell. What did you start doing on the business side to make it go from just a hobby to an actual business? And what did you do to get your name out there to start selling pieces and start getting people interested in what you were making? Business doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, I've had to work harder through those steps in understanding what I need to do to really form things into a business and understand all the balance in that. So I I really started by word of mouth, just friends and family um, trusting me, seeing something in my work is the beginnings of it. I think that while I'm, I'm a student currently, while being a student, it certainly pauses some of that business drive, but in the same way, it gives me time to learn some of those other details of what's the most efficient way to move ahead and understanding each step of the way so that I am successful later. I guess it's just step-by-step, step. I was like growing pains. <laughs> so I would learn something new from, okay, if I sell this, what kind of things do I need to do to protect them, protect myself? What sort of things make me look the most professional? How do I continue to expand on that so that I get to the point that I envision seeing myself as a business? So I think it's just chipping away each step little by little and adding polish, which I still very much feel like in the throes of. 
um, while also being a student, but mostly just not having a lot of exposure to other businesses until just the last couple of years um, and noticing things that other people do that really seems to align with how I want to run and putting that in place for myself. That visual comes from interacting more with other woodworking businesses, I think. Also, Instagram has been an excellent tool for me. Social media has turned into more than I expected it to. I originally kind of started that not so much as a business, but exposure, but just as a personal diary of sorts. And then as I've grown and more interest in my work has happened, and I really realized that it I wanted to be a business, I've started to kind of change that as that's happened also. So probably slower, more organic process than most, but it, it works for me currently. A lot of people won't admit it, but business doesn't come naturally to many who want to start a furniture business. They want to start it because they like because they like the process of working with their hands or they like the creativity, but they don't know the other side of it, the business side of it. As you've grown and learned from your mistakes and pushed forward in this, what are some of the things that you think you know now that when you were starting out, you wish you could tell your younger self that would have helped you out in the beginning? Uh, I would probably take some classes on like the financial and accounting side of things just to have a, a more comfortable understanding of them, like how to keep records efficiently, how to track your time, how to input all those things. Um, I think contracts also building contracts that makes other people comfortable as well as myself um, and allows for those protections and communication to be efficient. I think just to go for it and not hesitate as much, I think my personality holds back a little bit and thinks I need to have every single bit of information. So I think just utilizing local resources and other business people, I think even connecting with business people who aren't necessarily in the same industry, but have feedback on different scales of business would be helpful. Um, even other artists and how they do things. I think since I want to remain a one one person shop, just connecting with other people who have a similar business model, even if it isn't exactly the same material. You mentioned a couple times and kind of in passing that you're a student now, that you're taking classes and you're taking classes to advance your furniture business. You didn't take these classes when you were a student originally, but now that you have this newfound passion for furniture making, you're learning not only from books, but also from taking classes. Can you talk a little bit about what the classes you're taking now are? I'm a student in Gary Rogowski's online mastery program for fine furniture. So it's a two-year program that I'm in, um, and it's done remotely. We have class once a week. It's like a three-hour long like lecture and interactive from your own shop class. Um, there's also an office hours time that's really important to utilize, even though it's flexible. It's not, you know, that you need to be present like you do in the class. So I would say that it's definitely something to schedule in and, and be present for um, if you're going to maximize your experience. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of design focus. And I wanted to take it to grow all of those skills to have a really strong sense of what kind of furniture I want to make. To be able to draw in those type of clients because my creativity passion really lies in that 
Um, so I think that that will have a better visual, being able to represent my work and build my portfolio through the class. It does make it challenging to market myself more and solicit more business because the time just doesn't allot for both. So it's a short-term sacrifice to grow myself as a craftsperson for the long-term. So business feels a lot slower and I have to be a lot more patient with that process and knowing that I can't take every commission that comes my way, that I might only be able to take so many and balancing that time with the needs of the program. I want to go back to the beginning of your story. Before you got into furniture making and you were saying that the trades were looked down upon. The idea of working with your hands, of you specifically working with your hands, but just in general of working with your hands, that idea when you were younger was not something that people wanted you to aspire to. They wanted you to go into a more, and I guess I want to say traditional role, but in reality, working with your hands is a traditional job set more than working in office. But let's just say a more modern traditional job where you were doing something outside of the trades in an office. But for you and for society in general, it's really coming back to the idea that there's value in being able to build something and to be able to actually work in this physical world that we live in and produce something and make something. Can you talk for yourself and also if you can for society as a whole about that feeling of how it used to not be an exciting prospect to work with your hands and now it's really come to a point where working in the trades is something that people are interested in again. I think it wouldn't be fair to really give too much of a description without highlighting the fact that I also think that some of that discouragement came from being a woman in the trades that I was told it's not safe it's not safe for me. It's not a place that I want to be every day or that I couldn't hang. So I think some of those mentalities um, definitely played a part in that also. And I think that's something that's been evolving where people can see themselves comfortably in the craft and being successful. Um, and I think that makes a big difference is societal mentality on inclusion. Um, so I think that that's a big factor. I also think that people started to realize that they were losing parts of history, they're losing parts of quality and things that, that last. Um, I think that connection to themselves and to what they're working on, whether that's metal or wood or, or any of those things, and that there's really value in having a career that produces those things. Um, I think that it had this stigma of um, not being white collar, you know, you're not clean, you're not, you know, you're not going to make the most money and that everything was really focused solely on, on success being this like automatically out of college, you look great, you're so polished and you're gonna get that paycheck. And I think people really wholeheartedly invested in that and that, you know, if you work in a trade somewhere that somehow, you know, it, it, you're devalued or you're unintelligent. And I think that having that gap in trades and skilled trades people out there really started to make people realize that, that they're, they're messing that up and that being happy in what you're doing really is the biggest difference and that you can make those things successful because there is a need for people to execute on a high skill level and that it, it costs money and they get paid well. The idea of a furniture maker when 
people see it in their minds. They usually think of an older white man with a beard in their shop full of old tools and sawdust and flannel and and that's that's the look and I know that this is a an all audio show so people can't see you but <laughs> for the record that is that is definitely not what you look like you are not the cookie cutter mold of what a woodworker or a furniture maker for many 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 years has usually looked like Let's talk about your experience being a furniture maker in this world and how you've had to explain that this is what you're doing and this is who you are in an industry that, yes, is moving towards a direction of being more inclusive for a lot of people, but still at its base looks very much like it did for many, many generations. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Um, you meet people who are very open-minded and ask you questions very respectfully. And then I meet people that aren't. Um, and knowing that that's coming, I think, it's not that I walk around braced for it, but I think I try to roll with it and think, well, this is the opportunity to change someone's mind about what this does look like and try to answer and balance it back out. Every now and then I get things that are a little disrespectful. Um, most of the time it's kind of like an annoyance and I know I know that it's coming in certain environments. Like the place, some of the places I go, I'm there enough that like I am normal there, you know, I'm like the, a regular. Um, but yeah, I definitely get questioned more than I probably expected at first. But like I said, going back to the other answer, it was a little bit of a barrier to entry, I think, knowing that if I take a woodworking class, the odds of me being the only woman there are pretty high. Being being comfortable in that sometimes isn't the easiest, um, but I've been at it now for long enough that I'm okay. Like I, I'm confident with who I am, what I look like. I know that I don't fit that stereotype whatsoever, and that most of the time that's one of the more noticeable things about me. So I just try to kind of wear that as a badge of honor. Like I'm atypical with this situation and that's okay. And that maybe after talking to me or understanding that a skill set is behind what an individual looks or presents like, that that's the important part of it. And I think connecting on that level with people um, maybe makes them a little bit more open-minded. At least that's the hope. (laughs) There are a lot of people out there who want to get into building furniture and they don't know where to start. They're at the beginning of their journey. And there's also people who are far along in their journey, but that maybe they've they've hit a roadblock in their business and don't know how to continue moving it forward. Can you talk from your own experience of being in this industry and things that you've learned about what you would share with people who are looking to push their business forward? They're looking to expand it into different places and hopefully be successful. I think having a learning mindset, knowing that there's information out there that you can access. I think questioning things, writing things out and assessing where you feel like your weaknesses are, um, where you feel like your strengths are and starting to form questions from that and looking into what solutions are out there. How can I change the way people see me as a business? How can I solicit more business? Is it that I do more locally and I don't do enough somewhere else. I think being adaptive, um, thinking about other um, revenue streams, where else you might be able to still be moving within the same path and focus, but deviating just enough to help you be sustainable in that. 
yeah, I think just pursuing answers, looking to connect with other people who might have an answer if you're not finding them on your own, um, being able to be vulnerable and knowing that there is a weak point in your business that you can go after. I think for myself, I feel like a baby business in so many ways, um, being one person, being slower with my business while being the student that a lot of times I feel like I'm moving at a slower pace than some people do. So it makes it a little bit harder to, to answer outright because for myself, um, I just try to do as much research as possible and realize, okay, like this, this looks like you would need to do this to be more stable going ahead. Um, and I think if I was moving faster and not a student, I think it would probably feel more pressure to find those answers <laughs> right off the bat. But um, that's the way I, I typically go about things is I try to do as much research as I can and find some answers and find better questions and see what I might be able to do immediately as a solution. Well, I really want to thank you for for sharing your story and for talking with us and sharing what you've learned in this industry. I think it's going to help a lot of people and I wish you nothing but success moving forward in wherever the world of furniture takes you. Thank you. I appreciate all the conversation and opportunity to talk. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.